As we're approaching 1 Peter chapter 3, a university chaplain was going to the airport to pick up his friend to take him to a leadership conference. And the two men walked out from the airport and they approached the chaplain's truck, a Ford truck, a brand new Ford truck. And this guy thought, wow, that's a beautiful truck. And, and it really meant something because he had just got rid of his Dodge and you know, sometimes men have to do that and get a minivan or something like that. So the men bonded very quickly. The next day, they were going back to the airport, and as they approached this truck, this guy noticed two big scratches on the passenger side of this brand new Ford truck. And he says, what happened? And he says, well, my neighbor's goalpost fell over and hit my truck. And the guy's like, oh, that's awful. And he goes, well, to add insult to injury, he's refusing to accept responsibility for it. So the guy says, well, aren't you going to call your insurance company or aren't you going to do something to make him pay and, and, and remedy this situation? And the guy said, well, you know, I've done some soul searching and I've discussed with my wife about the, you know, potential of talking to an attorney to get to the bottom of this. But I think the Lord would have me to have a right relationship with my neighbor than to be right. And so I'm going to have my neighbor longer than I'm going to have my truck. And so I'm going to choose my neighbor over winning the argument. Last week in verse 8, we began looking at the portrait of spiritual maturity. That's what we began seeing. And those traits, they really shine in moments like this. Those traits shine when we are all tempted to go the opposite way, where it is natural to go the opposite way. Today, here's what we're going to see, and this is very, very critical. Here's what we're going to see. Immature believers adhere to the tit-for-tat philosophy. This is what they adhere to. Uh, this philosophy says, listen, vengeance is mine, not the Lord's. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it right. So today, we're going to see the opposite angle of maturity. And based on how verse 9 starts, we are seeing what not to do, which is why we're looking at the opposite of the portrait of maturity. Look at verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. So again, verse 8 ends in a colon. So verse 9 is giving us explanation of what we have seen in verse 8. With Peter writing to both, Jewish and Gentile believers, this for sure would have captured the attention of the Jews who were very familiar with the civil law that essentially said, whatever you do to someone else is going to be done to you. So they would have been very familiar with that. Leviticus 24, 17 to 22. But the New Testament book of Romans tells us in Romans 10, 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So believers in the church age dispensation 
we're not under the civil law of the Old Testament. So we're not to be an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, breach for breach type people. But when you are being persecuted unmercifully and unfairly, as the believers were at this time, that temptation to retaliate seems so very natural, doesn't it? When someone is attacking you unfairly, unmercifully, everything in you says retaliate, defend yourself, right? Regarding the portrait of maturity, we challenged ourselves with this question last week that we wanted you to entertain as we walked through that. And the question was, is this me? So as this portrait was being developed, I wanted you to really ask yourself, hey, is, does that look like me? Well, I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself the same question this morning. As we paint the portrait of immaturity, is this me? Because based on what we see in verse 9, this is critical. Retaliation is an expression of the immature. Right? Is this not what babies do? Whatever you do to a baby, they're going to do it right back to you. They're very natural in their reactions. Immature believers, listen, this is interesting. Immature believers are zealous scorekeepers. They're zealous scorekeepers. If you cross them, they will not forget it. And at a minimum, they will get even. Maybe more. So what we see in the portrait of immaturity out of the gate is this. Immature believers practice acts of retaliation. This is what they do. This is how they roll. They practice acts of retaliation. They will have the last word. They will have the last say. They will put a period on the situation. It's how they roll. Peter said, not rendering evil for evil. What was being done to Christians at this time was unspeakable evil. Unspeakable. And when that is happening, the natural thing to do once again is to retaliate with evil. It's to meet you on that same level. But listen, this is critical. Mature believers are unnatural. They are unnatural people. Uh, consider 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man is an unsaved man. And natural men do not receive the things of the Spirit of God. So guess what they naturally do? Naturally, they render evil for evil. You smack me, I smack you back. You hurt me, I hurt you back. This is what natural people do. The thought of responding with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance to a lost man, to the natural, that's foolish. <laughs> Why would you ever respond that way when someone has treated you so poorly? 
That is an asinine response. And I have observed people in situations over the years that where they have been mistreated, they've been disappointed, they're frustrated, and so guess what they do? They render evil for evil. And here's what they essentially say. Oh, I just couldn't help it. Oh, I, 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 I had to defend myself. Or I, 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 I just couldn't help myself from filling the blank. And really, when I hear that, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like the confession of a natural man who is responding in and through his or her flesh. So my flesh says, this is what I do when I have been treated a certain way. It's very natural. But Jesus was not a natural man, was he? Turn back to chapter 2 and look at verse 23. Again, is this me? This is the question I want you and I to be thinking about. Look at verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. The suffering of Jesus was the result of evil men who carried out evil and wicked acts against him but he threatened not in his suffering. What that means is, is he's re listen, he resisted the temptation to respond in a retaliatory way. He threatened not. He didn't go tit for tat. You hurt me, I'm coming right back at you. That's very immature. Look at Mark, or, sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Now, the doctrinal footing here is the coming kingdom of Christ, which is not here yet. But mature believers in the church age, listen, they govern their lives by these very principles. They're very kingdom-oriented in how they think and how they live. But immature believers, listen, even if it's subconscious, they view these principles as not only unreasonable but unfair. How is it fair that someone gets to mis mistreat me, but I don't get to mistreat them. That's very childish, correct? It's very childish thinking. It's very immature. Christ, listen, never calls us to do anything that he himself did not do as the servant of God. I think sometimes we, we miss that, and we think that, oh, you're asking me or calling me, to, to do something that is so unreasonable, so unfair, so ridiculous, so unnatural, that you have no concept about. <laughs> That's not true. Look at Luke 22, beginning in verse 63. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, 
Who is it that smote thee? We aren't called to be anyone's punching bag or let people take advantage of us at will. That, that's not what's in play. We'll see very clearly here in a moment how we are to respond. But listen, our response is to be one that is unnatural in the flesh. We don't go tit for tat when it comes to evil and carnality. That's not how we are to walk as mature believers in Christ. So if we're thinking about the question, is this me? Let me ask you, when was the last time you were mistreated and how did you respond? When was the last time you were mistreated and how did you respond? And this is, I mean, this is really, you know what, if you want to, and this is this philosophy, this tit for tat philosophy, you will find it in marriages that are dysfunctional and unhealthy. They go tit for tat. You're nasty to me, I'm nasty to you. You're cold toward me, I'm cold toward you. You're unkind toward me, I'm unkind toward you. Essentially, you have two babies in this institution, this God-ordained institution of marriage, who are just deeply immature. You yell at me, I yell at you. I mean, this is how they live. If only one would just decide to be the adult. Did you, in those situations, when you were mistreated... Let me ask you, did you retaliate naturally? Or did you respond unnaturally? Next, immature believers use words of retaliation. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Uh, this word railing, it means slander or Viterperation. It's an old word. It's not used very much anymore. But viterperation, it means blame or abusive language. And that is very critical to our study because of the great fire of Rome in AD 64. The city burned for six days before they got it under control. And when they finally got it under control, it started again and burned for another three days. And when the dust cleared on that fire, at least two-thirds of the city of Rome had been destroyed. And having a desire to rebuild the city of Rome, a number of credible historians believe that that was all the motive that the wicked Emperor Nero needed to burn the city himself. And history says that as the city burned, that he was playing his fiddle. But wicked men lie, and that is precisely what Nero did. He railed on Christians by blaming them for the fire. And tolerance toward believers was waning by this time, and so uh, once he did that, it was open season on Christians. They were hunted like animals, they were tortured, and they were put to death in Ways that I can't even describe. It was beyond inhumane. 
It was so inhumane that even Roman, some Roman citizens felt sympathy for these believers who many of them, most of them hated. But the treatment was so cruel, inhumane, they could not help but sympathize with believers who were suffering greatly. I wonder what you're dealing with this morning. <laughs> it is amazing how we can in church and we get our feelings hurt, we get our toes stepped on. Let me ask you, when was the last time you were hunted literally like an animal and tortured and put to death in a way that I can't even describe And your lip is hanging on the ground because one little thing happened that just set you off. And so now you're just pouty and bitter and mad. We have no concept of suffering and hardship. Come on. But Peter called Christians at this time not to render evil for evil. Or railing for railing. Turn back to chapter 2 and verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. That phrase, reviled not again, means to rail in reply. So when he was railed on, and he was, he did not rail in reply. Again, Jesus never calls us to do something that he himself did not do. Jesus did not render evil for evil or railing for railing. Listen, this is very critical. One of the flaws of immature people, listen, is failure to recognize the danger of the tongue. This is one of the failures of immature people. And this is critical for all of us. The meek and quiet spirit in women and men in the sight of God is of great price. And women and men. Man, I am so thankful. My wife's not here today. My daughter, she, um, what is it? The, uh, she's, a, she's a sophomore in high school, so she's got the, uh, the baby. Yes. What do you call it? It's an electronic baby. Yes. Simulates real life. Simulates real life. Yes. So Bree is not a happy girl right now. <laughs> this, this baby came home Friday, and you know, it was fun at first. The fun is over. <laughs> uh, my son never sleeps with his door closed, but he has been sleeping with his door closed since Friday night. His baby wakes up, at, well, I guess, the, however they schedule it, whatever, one, two in the morning, so she is tired. But uh, So Lori's home with her, but, but I, I, I do. I, I thank God for my wife, and I have learned so much from her about this very thing, about just holding my tongue. It's okay. It is really okay. It is, as a matter of fact, it's not just okay, it's fantastic 
Because the Bible tells us what? To be swift to and that's Lori Morgan. And that's applicable to men and women. My wife will hold her tongue. She will pray. She will wait. She will trust God for timing. And then she will say what needs to be said. But when she says it, it is of the Lord where it will literally melt me. It's gracious, it's soft, it's kind, it's wise, it's good, it's respectful. How do you fight with that? (laughs) To immature believers, the thought of holding their tongue when someone is railing against them, it's like asking a toddler to sit still. Oh, no. (laughs) You said what to me? Oh, no. (laughs) Well, please, what poisons countless marriages and relationships is the tongue. This is what poisons marriages and our relationships together, the tongue. The tongue. How much conflict could we have avoided if we had chosen to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Most is absolutely right. We took our kids, when we were on Long Island, we took our kids to the circus, and it was a blast. It's funny, my kids have outgrown that, so at that season in their life, it was great. Took them to the circus, and it was amazing to watch these beasts elephants and lions to watch them precisely obey the commands of human beings that are much smaller and weaker than them. It's really amazing to watch that. These animals have been tamed. But would you consider James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8? For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed. And hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. This is why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18.21, what? Death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. Do you understand that your tongue can have a death effect on people? It can. Hear this. Immature believers fail to see the tongue as a loaded gun. That's a strong image, I understand. But I'm okay with it. It's a loaded gun. And so, they're like a toddler playing with a loaded gun in a crowded room. At a minimum, someone's going to get maimed. And again, well, you don't know what they said. They, they said this, and they said that, and this happened, and so I, 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 I just had to. No, the only thing we have to do is be Christ-like. I don't have to go tit for tat. 
What does the Bible say in Proverbs 15:1? And again, listen, my wife doesn't walk on water. She's as flesh as much as I am. But oh my goodness, Lori Morgan. A soft answer. Proverbs 15:1. What is it? Turns away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. So in that verse, you've got a picture right there of the mature and the immature. The mature, what do they do? A soft answer turns away wrath. There have been times in my marriage, especially early on, where I was so unreasonable and so carnal and so angry, and I would come at Lori that way, and I would be up here. And you know what she would do by the grace of God? She would stay right here. And you know what would happen? I could only stay up here so long because I'm by myself. I'm basically fighting with myself. That's what spiritually mature people do with their tongue. You know what the Bible also says about a soft answer? It says that a soft tongue breaketh the bone. It's not a hard tongue. It's not harsh speech. It's a soft tongue that breaketh the bone. So a soft answer turns away wrath. That's mature, but... Here's the immature, grievous words stir up anger. When you go tit for tat, all we're doing is adding gasoline to a burning fire. Lord, help us. The Roman government at this time was obviously anti-Christian, and so is ours. I want you to hear from me what I'm about to say is a biblical statement, not a political one. But to capitalize on a teaching moment recently, I played the clip uh, for my children of the Supreme Court nominee who was asked a question about defining a woman. Someone being nominated to the highest court of the land should be able to handle that question, in my opinion. But she said that she was unable to. Uh, the fact that we have come to the place in this country where someone who is uh, being nominated for that position and we have tolerance for that type of answer uh, tells you where our government is, that it is anti-Christian. So what do we do as believers, as the vitriol towards us only rises in these last days? Uh, do we go to Facebook and just rail on the government and their ridiculous mandates and policies without end? And do we get into fierce debates and arguments with the lost on how messed up they are and how ridiculous they are? Because I'm sure by doing those things, that will definitely compel them to come to faith in, to come to faith in Christ. That, that will win them, Yes. You're terrible, you're stupid, you're awful, you don't get it. I loathe you, but I want your Jesus. No, no. If that's your approach, I trust that you are an outlier in Life Fellowship in Midtown. Because in Life Fellowship, you know what we're going to do? We're going to trust God by praying together. On Friday mornings at, is it 6.30? Yep, okay. I have a lot of stuff in my head. 
lot of calendars. It's very early. A lot of meetings. And I, yes, okay, 6.30 to 7 on Zoom. I'm always there, but I had to make sure I had the right time. We're, we're, that's what we're going to do. And, and we're going to, we've been praying every week, we're going to pray for specific names of people that we're inviting to be with us in this place on Easter Sunday to hear the gospel. Remember, first of the year, I said to you from Psalm 20, verse 7, that we're going to remember the name of our Lord. That's what we're going to do. But the problem for many believers, tragically, is that somewhere in their heart and in their mind, they believe that it is their personal duty to speak out against everyone and everything they have a problem with. So I don't like that. I don't agree with that. I don't appreciate that. I don't like that. And so wah, 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 wah. Can I just tell you, if that's you, that is absolutely a miserable way to live. And I can assure you, at a minimum, you're bitter. At a minimum, you're bitter. If every time someone makes a decision or does something that doesn't set right with you and you have to throw a verbal tantrum, hey, I got to make sure you guys know what I think about that. So let me, let me hop on Facebook and... <laughs> Did you get it? That is so immature. The church at Thessalonica was also dealing with persecution in addition to that. With the imminency of the rapture, some of them had even stopped working. Look at what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning verse 11. I'm going to ask you to underline this phrase. Out of the gate, and that ye study to be quiet. Would you underline that? And that ye study to be quiet. And to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. Study to be quiet. It's interesting in a church like ours, we love Bible study, don't we? If I were to stand here today and say, hey, when we're done with First Peter, we're going to study the book of Revelation. That would light many of you up. But let me ask you a question. How's your study on being quiet going? How's that study? That's so basic. Whether it was laziness or focusing on their antagonist in Thessalonica, the instructions were basic. Be quiet. Mind your business and get to work. I get it. And would you notice what Paul connected that thought to in verse 12? That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. Do you understand? We will get nothing done and we will get nowhere to the glory of God if all we did every week was gather, whether it be here or in main service, 
and rail and rail and rail against the government and the loss. We'll never make disciples that way. And that, that's one of the reasons why there are so many fundamental churches that are in the spiritual graveyard as I speak. Because every week it was, we're right and everybody else is messed up. And guess what they were not doing? They were not winning people to Christ, which meant they weren't making disciples because, and this is critical, hear me, if you're not winning people to Christ, you have no one to disciple. Which means, whether you want to accept it or not, you're dying a slow death. And then here's what happens. You ready? Here's what happens. When you're not doing that, guess what starts to happen? The infighting ramps up. Because we're not living on purpose. We're not living with purpose. We're not doing the very thing that God has called us to do. But every week we get up and remind ourselves how right we are. Look at what we know. Look at what they don't know. Okay. You can do that. <laughs> but your spiritual obituary is being written. In real time. Finally... Immature believers refuse to use words of edification. Back to verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Now, this first blessing that we see here in verse 9, it comes from the word eulogio or eulogio. So we get our word eulogy. Okay, so we're talking about words here. Now, this is where, from a maturity perspective, it goes to the next level. Because it exposes the richness of Christ-likeness in the mature believer. But listen, it also exposes the carnality in the immature believer. Because it's one thing to not render railing for railing, which in and of itself is a tall order. But contrary-wise, blessing... That's very unnatural. The immature believer refuses to do this because they are earthly-minded, not kingdom-minded. And so, wait a minute, let me get this right. Someone is railing against me, and you want me to render blessing. Yes. Well, that's not fair. Consider this kingdom principle from Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And all God's people said, Huh. This word bless here in Matthew 5, 44 is the same word as blessing. And 1 Peter 3, 9, the first one anyway. If we are to be spiritually mature, listen, this is, here we go. If you really want to be spiritually mature, this statement will be the most challenging, I guarantee it. 
We must learn how to get hurt well. We must learn how to get hurt well. This is something that spiritually mature people do. And this is something that spiritually immature people do not do. They do not get hurt well. If you are evil, they will, re- they will render that back. If you rail, they will rail. And they will not speak well of those who hurt them, which is what that word bless means in verse 9, to speak well of. But we cannot become like Christ without getting hurt like Christ. That sounds so good. I want to be like Christ. Yeah? If you want to be like him, you are going to get hurt like him. And one of the things that he modeled for us was he modeled how to get hurt well. If you're going to be like him, if you're going to be spiritually mature, you will not be a tit-for-tat believer. You will get hurt in a way that honors him in terms of how you respond. We have not been called to acts and words of retaliation, but listen, I'm not deceived. In a crowd of this size, adults who have lived a lot of life, you've been hurt. You have been hurt. Someone has been evil toward you. Someone has railed on you. Someone has mistreated you. Someone has been unkind. Someone has deeply wounded you. And by now, you have that person or maybe those people and mine. But in that, God is calling you to be like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you look at verse 9 again? Knowing that ye are thereunto called. Do you understand, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are to be spiritually mature, you have been called to learn how to get hurt well? if you really want to be like Christ. But in responding to that call, you must put obedience, listen, I put a star by this verse, to Matthew 5, 44. You've got to put feet to that. That's where God would have you to start your obedience, your journey to spiritual maturity today. So who is that person? Who are those people that he would have you to live out Matthew 5, 44 to? Who are they? Who is that person? And the promise of Scripture is this, that you should inherit a blessing. There is blessing here. There is blessing to becoming like Christ, but oh my goodness, you lose so big. When you say, you know what, this portrait of immaturity, if it means that I can't retaliate in action or speech, I'll pass. I'll pass. Because I have to have the last word, I have to have my say. 
I have to give my two cents. I have to settle the score. You get to make that choice, but you will not inherit a blessing that way. Lord, I want to thank you for your word today. I do pray that it goes forth, Lord, and it accomplishes in the hearts of your people, including mine, what you desire in terms of bringing us into a greater conformity to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.